1: Or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. We've made it. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Full, Noah. How are you doing? That's right. We enjoyed a nice buffet for lunch. And now, welcome to the
2: buffet of sports here on On the Line. It took me to town, man. It, uh, (laughs) It messed me up.
1: And we've got a smorgasbord of recruiting information from Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, who will be with us until 3 o'clock today, entire first hour of the show, as he does every single Friday. Christian, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's been a little bit of a less busy week at the Athletic Complex for me, so that's been a little nice. It's been busy for the coaches, but not quite as busy for me. So,
1: Well, on the football side of things... Take us through what's been going on this week. It seems like there's been some camps going on.
0: Yeah, there's been camps every single day, um, and that's why it hasn't been quite as busy for us. But for the coaches, I mean, there's been 300-plus kids there every single day. Um, I'll go back to last Sunday, and I'll recap some of the official visits that Auburn had. So they brought in Darius Clemens, the four-star wide receiver out of Portland, Oregon. He came out and said Auburn leads now, um, so that's a big target. Maxi Boudouin, a three-star defensive tackle out of Louisiana, also said Auburn leads Jacob Hood, a massive offensive tackle, a four-star out of Nashville, put Auburn in his top three. Emery Floyd, a four-star defensive back out of Georgia, said Auburn leads. A defensive tackle, Caleb Artis, out of Queens, New York, um, said Auburn is in his top group. And then the kicker, Alex McPherson um, from Fort Payne, said Auburn is probably, probably leaning towards the top. So all of those official visits seem to have gone really, really well for Auburn last weekend.
1: This early in the game, especially when you look at Darius Clemens and some of the comments that he made, this early in the game, how much stock do you put into these guys saying that Auburn is the leader right now? Because that could change with any official visit.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Oregon is pursuing him. Uh, Penn State is pursuing. I believe he's in Penn State this weekend. So it's hard to put a lot of stock into it. I think when someone does come out and say that a team is leading, I put a little bit of stock into that. When someone comes out and says, like, Jacob Hood, he's like, Auburn's in my top three. It's like okay, great, Um, I don't know if Auburn is going to be able to really land him necessarily, but when someone does come out and say that Auburn leads, I put a little bit of stock into that. But it it is very early on, like you pointed out.
1: Is this coaching staff's strategy of searching far and wide across the country, is that working for him so far? Because you talk about Darius Clemens, highly touted wide receiver. He's from the Pacific West Coast out of Eugene, no, Portland, Oregon.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's working really well for them. And then the other guy I brought up, Caleb Artis, the uh, defensive tackle out of Queens, New York, he didn't give any leaders. Um, after that visit, I would guess Auburn is the leader. He seemed to have a ton of fun. Um, Nick Eason actually played the guitar for him and his mom. It was his mom's birthday over the weekend, and so they went out to dinner, and he played the guitar. Well, look, let me tell you, Nick Eason has been the star of this staff. We've gotten to talk with everybody, just kind of handing out in the complex. Nick Eason has been incredible, and he's incredible with these players. He walks a player out of the complex, takes them to their car. He comes back, and he's already on the phone talking to somebody else. He has been very, very good, and I think he has been an incredible pickup for Auburn, especially in recruiting.
1: Okay, you got to take me through the guitar story then. What did he
0: play? <laughs> what did it, did it, I? I guess you weren't there for the guitar, but I was not. So it, uh, Caleb Artis, they went out to dinner, and he said that Nick Eason played the guitar for Happy Birthday, and Chanel Valentine, one of the uh, recruiting specialists for Auburn, saying Happy Birthday to Caleb Artis' mom. So, I guess that. I guess Nick Eason is a guitarist, but
1: he has moved up on my coaching rankings here just because he can play the, the guitar. That is so much fun. That's awesome.
2: Auburn is looking at a really big prospect right now, and I got an email about this. Have you heard anything about Dante Moore, the 2023 mm-hmm. five-star quarterback?
0: Yes, he's on campus today. Um, he's from Detroit, Michigan, so again, going out there and going to a different spot. To Recruiting
2: train. everywhere all over the all over the country.
0: Yeah, they are, and I think, I mean, I talked about it last week. I think it's brilliant rather than Get beat by Georgia early because they don't have these connections. Let's go win a recruit somewhere else. Let's build up the program. And then, you know, maybe four or five years from now, once Auburn is built up, then let's start really competing for these five stars in Georgia and let's get the, those guys. But for now, going across the country to land some good guys. Do you think Auburn's in the running for this quarterback? Uh, I think it's too early to tell. He's a 2023 guy. Um, he's rated as a four star on Rivals for right now. He'll be a five star at the end of the deal. He's the number 30 player in the class. So. He's incredibly talented. I believe he's a pro-style quarterback. Could be run on that, but, I mean, if he's down here, I think Auburn has a chance to at least make his top group.
1: Going back to what you were saying about not getting beat by Georgia early on the recruiting trail and trying and going and tapping into the relationships that they probably already have in, in places unknown to Auburn fans right now and searching across the country, what are they doing, though, to build the relationships in the southeast that a lot of critics with this hire – had because brian harson and a lot of these coaches aside from the coordinators really don't have a lot of the connections in the southeast
0: yeah no so they're still recruiting this area they're recruiting auburn high school maybe even a little bit more than the old staff previously did i would say a lot more yeah i mean (laughs) they brought in powell gordon as a commit um eston harris jr they offered drew bobo mike bobo's son who is transferring to auburn high um this fall i believe they had omari kelly a four-star wide receiver from hewitt trussville uh yesterday uh, Quinshawn Judkins, uh, Judkins, excuse me, out of Pike Road, a running back. He was on campus. They had a couple players from Florida, a couple players from Georgia over the past couple weeks. So they're still recruiting the area and they're trying to build those relationships, but they still just have a little bit of time that they need to actually take to build the relationships fully.
1: Through these first two weeks of recruiting, or two and a half weeks or so, which player that Auburn has recruited up to this point stands out to you for for whatever reason? Which player? has really made an impression on you?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. So I like – talked about him a little bit last week. I like O'Marion Brown, who's committed to Rutgers, but he was on campus. He really, really liked Auburn. But if there's one player that – I haven't gotten to talk to him yet, but I think Auburn really needs to try and go out and get this guy. It's O'Marion Hampton. He's on an official visit this weekend, a four-star running back out of North Carolina. Uh, I think he could be Tank's successor. I think he's very, very good. They brought in a couple different running backs over the past week, and – Marion Hampton, who's in this weekend, is definitely the biggest one of the group.
2: Yesterday, uh, on yesterday's show, we had a really interesting question at the beginning of the show. We were kind of debating different quarterbacks in the SEC, and I want to get your thoughts on this. If there was a quarterback that start, is starting currently in the SEC, would you take any of them over Bo Nix right now? Uh, I would probably take JT
0: Daniels.
1: <laughs> but Matt Corral, too, right? I'm sure there are I some other names.
0: I don't know if I would take Matt Corral this. Really? I mean, you might get seven touchdowns, but you might get seven interceptions. I think he's very good, but there's just. That only happened
1: one time. It only happened once. And then outside of that one game, he averaged less than an interception per game. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. People like to rub him. Just that, that one Arkansas game rubs everybody the wrong way. But I'm like, outside of that game, the dude was one of the best quarterbacks in the country.
0: Yeah. No, I think he's very good, but it's just. I don't know. It's very interesting. The problem is with Auburn, and we've talked about this before, it's the offensive line. You have to be very careful about the quarterback that you bring in because you can't have a statue in the pocket, which is kind of what T.J. Finley is, which is my, which is why I think he's more of a long-term prospect for Auburn. But you got to have a quarterback that can escape the pocket because they're going to have to escape the pocket this year especially.
1: Switching away from some of these discussions that we've had about recruiting that maybe yesterday's show, Lance, you saw something today, a graphic out there about Auburn – with five-star recruits and then I believe it was 24-7 sports that maybe we saw this online where there's a graphic of five-star recruits what percentage of recruits has Auburn recruited that are that are five stars compared to others in the country and then in terms of how they got drafted and Auburn is torn is towards the bottom of all of these teams that have brought in five stars in terms of developing them and getting them drafted in the first round or, or getting them drafted period
2: yeah, so 24-7 Sports put out a, a graphic earlier of how schools have developed their five-stars since the, since the 2008 class, and the minimum requirement that they set was that these schools have to recruit at least 10, or get a commitment from at least 10 qualifying five-stars, and Auburn at, is at the bottom of that list at 10, 10% of the five-stars that they have gotten, so that means one has been a first-round draft pick, and 40% of them have been drafted, So and when you look at the rest of the graphic, Auburn has the least amount of kids percentage wise that were five stars coming out of high school actually get to the NFL period. You look at some of the other teams on the graphic, you've got Texas, Texas A&M, USC, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Florida, Clemson, Alabama. Something interesting to note is that Clemson actually has the third least amount of five stars on this list. Auburn has the, the least at 10. Texas A&M has the least at, or second least at 11. And then Clemson at 13. But they have the highest percentage of those, dra- of those five stars get drafted out of everybody here. 92.3% of the kids that they get, get drafted. So it's just interesting to see how Auburn's going to have to be able to climb the ladder, both getting these recruits and both putting in the league. Because you look at them statistically, they, they're one of the worst. Whenever they do get these guys, they don't really, they don't put them in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I think that was a pretty common criticism of the previous staff. I think one thing the previous staff did well was finding some of these lower-rated guys, maybe from local areas like Roger McCreary, who was a pretty lowly-rated three-star. Daniel were able Thomas. To bring in. Daniel Thomas, yep. Um, so I think they did a good job finding some of the lower-rated guys and building them up, but they didn't really develop the five-star guys or they kind of just missed on them. Um, maybe some of that is a little bit unlucky. Maybe some of that is the scouting report that they did and they should have seen hey, maybe this guy isn't really a five-star. Maybe he's more of a four-star. And so maybe they ended up with some guys that probably shouldn't have been a five-star. But that was definitely a pretty common criticism of the previous staff, and I think that's something the new staff is going to have to work on pretty heavily. And I think they have been. Um, The previous staff had something like 10 people behind the scenes that would scout people. The new staff has, from what I heard, like 20 to 30. So they've really made, put more of an emphasis on the high school scouting and really trying to, to trying to identify talent a lot more
2: we're sitting at an interesting time right now because we can speculate all we want and I believe you I'm in the the boat as well I believe this coaching staff can get it done it's just we've not seen those commitments yet because it's so early Mm -hmm. obviously June 1st was the first time that recruits were able to actually get on campus and talk to some of these guys in person so we're sitting in an interesting time right now it's just kind of a wait and see mode and I think it is going to take one two three seasons to really see this recruiting flesh out and become better than what the previous coaching staff was able to do do you see it being a quicker thing or do you see it more down the line and giving it a couple of seasons to really see Auburn catch up to some of these bigger rivals
0: no I certainly agree with you on that Um, I think it's going to take time I think Brian Harsin has a great plan in mind but it's a plan that's going to have to take time Auburn fans are going to have to be a little bit patient they know what they're doing like I said before they're very smart they're going out across the country so they can still land some of these four stars and maybe a five star and then a couple years down the line they can start bringing in some of these five stars from local area but As of now, you just got to be patient a little bit. I think it's going to take a little bit of time on the recruiting trail. And I don't think you can judge this coaching staff on the 2022 class either. They're still a little bit behind. The first true recruiting class where I think you can fully say, hey, this might be a little bit concerning is the 2023 recruiting class.
1: Number to call, 334-321-1390. Whatever on your mind, we want to hear from you. If you got a question for any of us here in the studio, we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. What's the latest with basketball? I know that uh, that, that's the side of things where they are not behind in recruiting. If anything, they're lapping some programs.
0: Yeah, they are way ahead. Uh, I talked about last week. I said, hey, I think Auburn might land a five-star or two. Uh, Zion Cruz, the number 19 player in the class out of New Jersey came out and said Auburn is in the lead and I think Auburn is in a really good spot. We talked about you know how, what does it mean if a player says Auburn's in the lead. I think Auburn's really in the lead for that one. I think they have a good chance there.
1: I think Alabama's recruiting him too though right? Didn't he say that he, he might be looking to to take a trip to Alabama or North Carolina? I, I believe so yes. How much of concern is there from the other team in the state that's tearing it up and recruiting as well? I,
0: I think it's a little bit of a concern. I believe Zion Cruz was actually a Duke guy um, but then the Coach K News came out and Auburn kind of jumped on that a little bit this is kind of an Ira Bowman special he's been recruiting him out of New Jersey pretty heavily I like Auburn's chances there a lot I think he's a very talented shooting guard can also play point a little bit so
1: what's his play style like is he you know compare him to a former guard that Auburn's had up to this point a Mustafa Heron type maybe more a, of a Bryce Brown
0: Trey I, Alexander I would say maybe a little bit of a hybrid of that he's very athletic very very athletic but he can shoot as well um I haven't gotten to see as much of his film as I'd like to, but he is he's an athlete. That's really what he is. Do you have his measurables like height and weight? Uh I want to say he's six six. I don't know Ooh. his I don't know his weight off the top of my head. That's but,
1: Mustafa Heron esque. I think yeah. Mustafa Heron came in at about six foot five. Would have loved to see more of a jump shot from Mustafa Heron. I mean he had a good mid ranger, would have liked to see him flesh out a little bit more outside of the mid range, but at least more with, with more consistency. But that, that's kind of Mustafa Heron territory
2: right there. Yeah.
0: So Auburn's in a good spot for him. Uh, Jarrus Walker, the number nine player in the 2022 class um, from IMG Academy, said he's seriously considering Auburn. I think Auburn has a chance there. I don't know if it's quite as good of a chance. Uh, the number 39 player in the class, Nick Smith, a point guard out of Arkansas. He played with Alan Flanagan his freshman year of high school, actually. Uh, that's a West Flanagan special, and I think Auburn's in a good chance there. has a good chance there. Seems
1: like the relationship is building there yes. between Auburn They've and Nick Smith.
0: Look- yeah, they've got a little bit of a pipeline in Arkansas, and Nick Smith is partially, he could be the next guy there. Um, Chance Westry, a four star point guard all the way out in California, said Auburn strongly in the mix. And then one guy who finished up his official visit yesterday, four star small forward Dylan Mitchell. He's one of the fastest risers in the class. The previous rivals' rankings had him at uh, 110 in the class, the latest rankings have him at number 31. So he rose like crazy. And he really, really liked Auburn when he was talking about it yesterday, and I think Auburn's pretty squarely in the mix there. He could be like an Alan Flanagan replacement at Small forward. Why is he climbing so much? Uh, I haven't gotten to see his film at all yet, but people seem to like him a lot, so that's like, did
1: he get taller? Did he go to a camp? It's like I man think he's something's just been just performing taken off really, yeah.
0: really well uh, as of recent he's he's pretty big for a small forward. I think he's six seven six eight mm-hmm. so he's a big small forward, and he's just I mean, he's very talented from what I've heard. I haven't gotten to seen him, see him yet. but
1: Anybody in-state right now that maybe Auburn's going after for this class or the next? Isn't there a McGill-Tulin player down in Mobile uh, that I'm thinking of? Is it
0: Barry Dunning? Is it, yes. That's, I, I think that's who we're talking about. I think he'll be in Auburn soon. I don't think Auburn is pursuing him I'd, too heavily. Yep. I think Arkansas is actually leading for him as of now. He took mm-hmm. an official to Arkansas and really liked it. And I don't think Auburn or Alabama really are pursuing him too highly. But –
1: just doesn't fit the scheme because isn't he a top 100, top
0: 50 player or something like that? I think he's a top 150 player. Okay. Um, which it's crazy to think about this now with Auburn. Ah, that's, but just,
1: that's not good enough anymore, gentlemen. That's not good enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a, little, he's a little outside the range of... I think Auburn is still pursuing him and he will be on campus, but they've got some more talented players on the board as of now, so...
1: Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more basketball here. We want your thoughts on Desi Sills. What does that change for the Auburn lineup this upcoming year? What is Auburn maybe losing and not getting Desi Sills on campus as well as JT news? We haven't gotten to talk with you about that since that occurred. He's been mocked in the first round of Bleacher Reports mock draft. I want to get all your thoughts on that. We'll be coming back in just a moment. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire first hour of the show today. And coming up at 3 p.m., we got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us for hour number two. Going to get a lot of his thoughts on Alabama-related things, but we are parking the bus here now with Auburn basketball here at the 215 segment. How does the lineup change for Auburn now that Desi Sills is not coming on the Plains, found out earlier this week, or maybe Sunday, Monday, somewhere around there, that he was going back home to Jonesboro, Arkansas, his hometown, and he's going to play for the Arkansas State Red Wolves. What do we know about the situation, first of all? Obviously, academic issues, and I think that, that's
0: about all we know, right? Yeah, it was just an unfortunate situation where the major that he had at Arkansas, a lot of his credits didn't transfer to Auburn, um, and he had, I believe, one year of athletic eligibility left, And there was no chance with the credits that were transferring that he would be able to graduate on time. So it was in his best interest to be able to graduate to go somewhere else. It was unfortunate. I know Bruce Pearl and his staff were really excited to have him as a piece on this roster, but things just didn't work out academically, which is an unforeseen issue with this transfer portal that, you know, some of these schools are figuring out now, you know, credits might not transfer, stuff like that. So that's just kind of the way it goes.
1: You know, what's interesting to me, though, and I'm not saying you're wrong here, because I, uh, you know, the, we don't know a whole lot what happened behind the scenes on this, you know, and so we're we, you know, we're not going to say anything about it. But it is interesting. And I point out that it's interesting. Auburn had five transfers come in in this window, and they had no problem with four of those five, right? And this definitely, it's weird. Like I have a hard time finding blame for Auburn in this, considering Bruce Pearl's been coaching for over twenty years. And I wasn't saying that you're that you're putting blame on Bruce Pearl. I'm just, it's curious. It's an interesting situation considering. Bruce Pearl's been coaching for over 20 years. They've had transfers come into the program several times during his stint at Auburn. And he had five in this window. They know how to get a transfer through the door. Why was this one any different? Why was there oversight on this one? And I know we, we won't have an answer to that. I just find it particularly interesting that it happens on the in, in the interconference guy.
0: I think it's just the odd case out. I think it's just that kind of a one in a million where he's taking, I want to say it was sports management and recreation was his major at Arkansas.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think they have sports management at Auburn.
0: Yeah, they don't have Cause it. Because I
1: looked into that when I was coming to the Plains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were. it was just one odd out scenario where credits didn't transfer and it didn't work out. And I really don't think there's any blame anywhere. It's not Auburn's fault. It's not Arkansas's fault. It's not Desi Sills' fault. It's just the way it goes.
1: Yeah. Well, how does the lineup change then now that Desi Sills isn't coming onto
0: the planes. Yeah, so I think it changes the bench a little bit. I had Desi Sills as my backup shooting guard behind Katie Johnson, so it doesn't necessarily change the starting lineup, but it shuffles around the rotation a little bit. Initially, I had Devin Cambridge as the backup three. Now I have him as the backup two behind Katie Johnson, and Chris Moore might be getting some more minutes at the backup three behind Alan Flanagan. Uh, Flanagan might have to play the two a little bit now as well, so those, those guys are going to shift around a little bit And Auburn might be forced to go bigger, just a little bit more, You know, maybe playing Jalen Williams or Jabari Smith at the three than they originally anticipated. And I know that's kind of a fun lineup to look at and see one of those guys at the three. But it was kind of, "Mm, I don't know if Auburn's going to do this. Now they might have to a little bit more. Because from what we've heard, Auburn's sticking with the roster they have now, and they're not planning to add anybody else. Do you think... Zep Jasper at any point will
2: get minutes at the 2 even because he's listed as a combo guard.
0: Yeah, I think he could certainly get minutes at the 2. In my um, initial lineup, this is going back months ago now or not months, but weeks ago. I had Wendell Green starting at the point guard and Zep Jasper starting at the 2. Jasper certainly could get minutes at the 2, but with only two point guards on the roster, I think there are uh, scholarship point guards on the roster. I think he's going to have to limit his minutes at the 2.
1: I know you said it doesn't change the starting lineup any really, at least it it shouldn't. You think that that's still pretty safe, but it kind of seems like KD Johnson would have a lot to gain from this. I feel like Desi Seals would probably be the biggest competitor for his minutes in his spot in the starting lineup and his time on the floor.
0: Yeah, KD Johnson is certainly someone that benefited from this a lot, and I think the same goes for Devin Cambridge and Chris Moore, because those two got not buried, but they were... They were probably going to lose some minutes, but now they have an opportunity to really show what they're made of, and Bruce, Bruce likes his guys. He's always confident in the guys that he has on his roster, and he believes in them. He believes in Devin Cambridge, even if he has an inconsistent season like he did last year. He believes in Chris Moore, who showed some flashes last season as well. So I think this is a good opportunity for those two guys, along with Katie Johnson, like you mentioned, to really show what they're made of and the basketball players that they are.
2: Heading into his junior year, would you be shocked if Bruce Pearl went with the veteran guy and Devin Devin Cambridge to start start simply because he is the veteran guy, or do you think he's going to play for talent and let Katie Johnson play the most minutes?
0: Uh, At the beginning of the season, I would not be shocked if Devin Cambridge starts the season as the starting two. Katie Johnson is not here yet. I believe he won't get here until August. He's finishing up some summer classes in Georgia, so Katie will be a little bit behind in the system, not too far behind, though. So I would not be shocked if Devin Cambridge starts the season at the 2, but I really would not expect that to last. I think Katie Johnson is just very talented as a scorer, scorer and that he should be probably starting at the 2.
1: What's Katie Johnson's career trajectory look like in your mind? Is this someone that could take the step to the next level?
0: I think so, yeah. He was a very, I mean, he was a big get for Georgia at the time and now he's now he's coming to Auburn, so I think he's very good. He's a very talented scorer. Um, he's better as a 2 than he is as a 1. I know he's listed as a 1 in high school. He can play the point guard a little, little bit, but it's not really his forte. When he gets the ball, he wants to score. That's his main goal. Mm-hmm. He's very good at driving to the basket. He's a pretty strong defender as well. He's got a lot of toughness, which is what Bruce Pearl was really looking for in the transfer portal. So I think he's a good addition for Auburn. I think he is a person who maybe two, three years down the line could be looking at the draft.
1: Switching over to the NBA draft here, we saw on Bleacher Report's latest mock draft that JT Thor's latest position – is at 23 now and they're beginning to, to pick up wind of some of the stuff that Bruce Pearl maybe was talking about at the ambush event last month when he said if JT Thor stays in the draft he's going to get drafted now they've got him listed higher than Sharif Cooper
0: yeah that's it's so funny to see because you know you think about Isaac Okor and Chumo Kiki and maybe I'm wrong on this I thought Sharif Cooper was more exciting to watch maybe he looked more of like a better player but He's probably going to get drafted lower than those guys just because of some of the knocks on him for Can't his height and his shooting. But JT Thor is a true prospect in the sense that he's got a lot of developing to do. He's got to put some muscle on. But these scouts and I guess some of these teams as well are starting to notice, hey, we have a project here You know, maybe two or three years down the line. This guy could be a matchup nightmare, and I think he is very talented. I don't know if he will go at number 23. That seems really high to me but he could maybe sneak into that first round, which would be very good for Auburn basketball and very good for JT.
1: Well, I have a quick second here, but I I want to open this up to all of you. You bring up Sharif Cooper's size. I mean, that is a big part of what's holding him back because I feel like NBA teams, they will much rather take someone who has offensive issues, but they have athleticism that they can't teach, like
2: Chumo Kiki and Isaac Okoro. That could be a big part, like you said, what's holding back Sharif are you shocked that Sharif Cooper is underneath JT Thor in this Bleacher Report mock draft?
0: Yes, that was very surprising to me. Um,
2: which do you think is the better investment long-term? That's what I was about to say is which one long-term do you think is going to actually pan out in the NBA?
0: I mean, long-term, I think JT Thor is the better pro prospect. Um, I mean, he's just a freak of nature. and I would I, agree with that. I think Sharif Cooper, we saw it this year, I think he was the, he's a better player now probably. He can make more of an instant impact, but long-term, I would go with JT Thor.
1: I think there's less things that you have to teach JT Thor at this point. He's already got a smoother shooting stroke. Yeah, you just he's got to al- build JT, right? You just you got to get him more comfortable. He was 17 last year, you yeah. know, like, and he's going to be 18 in the NBA. I think a big part of it's just like put some weight on him and make him more comfortable. And he's going to end up and, and teaching him more basketball IQ that comes with age and that comes with playing. They're getting a raw athletic freak, as you said, you know, and, they, and there's there's things that they have to teach Sharif that to teach him shooting mechanics Mm because that's a big part of what's and you can't teach it you can't teach height he he is still four or five inches undersized for the point guard position in the modern day nba
0: and i think sharif cooper can be really really good at the next level even without a shot i mean we saw it at auburn he didn't really have a shot and he was averaging like 20 and 10 he's very good but he's got a couple things he'll have to fix as well
1: in an nba where russell westbrook is considered on the small side for in terms of height because he's six foot three i mean you're seeing Lonzo balls at six six ben simmons man it's tough for Sharif Coopers to really get into the game we'll continue on here with more of on the line coming up on the other side of this break Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com joining us for the first hour of the show you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com joining us for the first hour of the show What's coming up on com, my man?
0: Yep, so it's more recruiting stuff. (laughs) Um, They've got some official visits this weekend. Holden uh, still haven't gotten to meet him and get his last name. He's actually not taking an official this weekend. He's taking an unofficial. He camped yesterday. He'll be here all the way through Sunday, but I believe he backed up his official, and he'll probably try and take it during the season if I had to guess.
1: I do not know this receiver's name, but there is a certain receiver that plays on his seven-on-seven that right now really doesn't have any recruiting rankings on him. I think he's a three star, and he's camping this week too, right?
0: Um, sure, I I, I couldn't tell <laughs> he's, you. He's a low end. I mean, there yeah. there's like three hundred plus campers every day. Yeah. Um, two guys that we talked to yesterday, Camden Brown, the a three star wide receiver, actually out of Florida. He won camp MVP. He recently got an Auburn offer before camp. Auburn's a school to look out for there, and he's rising. And then this was kind of, a, kind of a cool story yesterday. Donovan Johnson, a defensive back out of Georgia, he was at Holy Innocence Episcopal um, in Atlanta, completely unranked. He didn't even have a recruiting profile on our site. He's a 2022 guy. He shows out at camp yesterday. He has one offer before camp, University of Tennessee Martin. He shows out at camp, gets an Auburn offer. So he's a guy to really look out for moving forward. I think he'll start getting a lot of offers. He transferred to a bigger high school for his senior season. So that's kind of – What's there to like about him? he's because I,
1: I can hear Auburn fans groaning right now yeah
0: <laughs> no he's big um, he's got very good footwork he's got good coverage skills he can play corner or safety so he's pretty versatile look this is something that we knew it was going to happen with COVID some of these smaller schools and some of these kids who don't get quite as much attention especially when coaches can't go out and watch games they're going to get lost in the shuffle he was a guy who during his junior season he probably got lost in the shuffle now he's going to camps and stuff and People are starting to see what he's really made of, and I mean his senior year at a bigger high school he could be a three or a four star guy, so that's just kind of a feel good story that we had yesterday, which was kind of cool to see he was he was so much fun to talk to, man he was smiling the whole time, he could barely believe he got an offer he was he was cool to talk to
1: those are the ones that you remember right those are the fun ones I'm yeah. sure where you see that, and you're like man this guy this guy's just happy to be here
0: yeah, I mean he was. For the whole five minutes we talked to him, there was a big smile on his face the whole time. It was a lot of fun. But um, official visits this weekend, LaTerrence Ter- uh, Welch, a four-star defensive back committed to LSU, is here. We'll talk to him Sunday. We'll talk to Shamar James, a four-star athlete out of Mobile on Sunday. I already mentioned him. O'Marion Hampton, a four-star running back. Talk to him Sunday. And then Micah Riley-Ducker, a four-star tight end out of Nebraska, actually, is here on an official. So we'll talk to him Sunday as well. So... We've got some official visits wrapping up this weekend.
1: College football playoff news, I'm sure you've seen it. Recommendation was made. We talked about that a lot yesterday. It still has to go through the approval process, but all that kind of seems to be a little bit of a formality at this point. It's more about when is this thing going to get implemented, it seems. What are your thoughts on it?
0: I think it's good. Um, I was a big proponent of expanding the playoff. I thought eight teams was a little better. I thought six was too small. And I also don't like having teams getting buys, which is why I'm not – super heavy on the 12 team what's the problem with the buys I think it's just too big of an advantage man I mean college football is a pretty physical sport and so if one team I mean I get it that's the way it goes if you got a higher seed you probably deserve to get a buy but for me personally I would just like to see eight teams you know four on each side and go from there that's kind of what I liked more but either way it's expanding the playoffs is it a good
1: offset though to get more teams in if you're a fan of that I I don't know what your stance is on that of course people have listened to the show enough I know most people think that Lance and I would just rather keep it at four but if I if I've got to do this I'm down with 12 probably more than I am eight I'm like all right let's just let them all in let's let everybody in and let's play this thing out because that might more games I I would say more games because of injuries and whatnot that could create more parity
0: yeah I, don't know. I hate to
1: say it like that, but it's the truth. More games is more opportunities for parity.
0: Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I'm not huge on 12. I'm glad they yeah. expanded it. I like it more than four, but I really wanted eight. I thought eight was the perfect mix. You get your five champions of the Power Five Conference, and then you have an opportunity for three at-large bids still. I thought that was a good compromise. I thought that expands it. It still gets some of those teams in the mix. 12 just feels like it might be a little too much, but... Either way, it's still expanding. I don't want to be overly negative. I'm still happy that more teams are getting in the playoff because I think I think they needed to expand it. So pretty much everybody's been
1: writing articles or putting up graphics about what would have happened over the last couple years if there was a 12-team college football playoff. On our ESPN 106.7 account, at ESPN 106.7, we decided to go backwards in time a little bit further than, than most people, at least with our social media graphics, say, and pose the hypothetical What would a 12-team college football playoff look like in 2013, and how would it shake out? Go and tell us what your thoughts are. Also call in, 334-321-1390. Of course, 2013, the prayer Jordan-Hare kick six-year, miracles galore for Auburn football. They would come in as the two-seed in that bracket, Florida State, the one-seed, three-seed Michigan State, four-seed Stanford, and then all those teams would get buys. Then you move into the first round of the playoff, five-seed Alabama, Six seed, we'll, we'll just go ahead and say who they'd be playing. Five seed Alabama would play against 12 seed UCF. The winner of that would go on to take on Stanford. You've got eight seed Missouri, nine seed South Carolina going against each other. The winner of that would go on to play Florida State. Seven seed Ohio State, 10 seed Oregon. That's also your 2014 college football playoff national championship. They would go on to play Auburn. And then six seed Baylor, 11 seed Oklahoma to go on and take on Michigan State the three seed kind of seems like in this bracket Auburn would have gotten an unfair shake with who they had to play in this bracket if they were to advance on because I don't know if you guys remember Ohio State was looking pretty good and Michigan State beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Conference game was a miracle in itself for Auburn a lot of miracles happened that week
0: yeah Ohio State was very good look I grew up an Oregon fan that Oregon team was pretty nice too so that would have been very interesting back then
1: why am I drawing a blank on the quarterback Why I'm the Oregon quarterback. Why is Tennessee Titans Marcus Mariota?
0: There you go. My all-time favorite college football player.
1: Why in the world were they 10th that year? What went wrong?
0: Because that to, team was loaded. I'm trying to remember. They had one rough loss. I think it was in the Pac-12. I couldn't tell you. Maybe it was Cal or just someone random. Yeah, mentioned.
1: just insert generic Pac-12 loss that should yeah. not occur to any Pac-12 conference champion. They, that
2: happens. They lost November 23rd, 42-16 on the road at Arizona.
0: Oh, oh I remember that oh, game. Oh, and they that also lost to,
2: to, uh, to number 5 Stanford
0: on the road. They lost by 6. Was that a Derek Mason team? No, that might have been just after his stint as defensive coordinator at Stanford.
1: No, I think that was a Derrick Mason team. I think that was his last year at Stanford. And then in okay. 2014, he took over at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Wow.
0: Right.
2: Look there at you that. go. There you go.
1: Because James Franklin, I think, was still at Vanderbilt in 2013. I don't know. I'd have to go back and check that. But still, how do you think this would shake out, guys? I have a sinking feeling that Auburn loses to Ohio State in the, in the quarterfinals. I, at some point, the miracles ran out, and they ran out in the national title game. And it's like... I think Ohio State probably was the better all-around football team. Now, Auburn had the offense, and, and, and Trey Mason was difficult to stop. You could run for 300 yards a game, still drop 200 on Alabama in that Iron Bowl, which I stand by that Alabama team that did not win the national championship in 2013 is one of the best teams to have not won a national championship ever. So you could still make the argument that because Auburn was able to beat Alabama that they would still be able to beat Ohio State. But I do have a sinking feeling that Auburn would not have made it out of the quarterfinals. Well, that's
2: assuming that Ohio State gets past Oregon first, right?
1: I think they do. Looking at the schedule, no offense to your ducks, my man. (laughs) Looking at that schedule, considering Ohio State's only lost that year, wasn't that to Michigan State in the Big Ten title game? I
2: believe it was. I believe it was. Maybe they had two
1: losses, but still, I have a hard time buying that Ohio State. That Ohio State team, I think, was Braxton Miller-led in 2013. JT Barrett didn't come along until 2014. Man, that, I, just, I don't know if I can get by that Oregon. I, th- I think Ohio State wins that one probably easily. They yeah, so they,
2: so they lost by 10 to Michigan State, and then they lost in the Orange Bowl to number 12, Clemson, 40-35. to
1: Ah, oh, they just didn't care.
0: Yeah, I don't <laughs> put much stock in the bowl game. <laughs> Look, Auburn no has taught me that. Don't put too much stock in the bowl game.
2: So what do we think, Gentlemen. I think I think Auburn wins. I uh, I think Auburn wins and advances to the to the uh to the quarterfinals whoever whoever they well, play. Well they'd be Ohio, to the semifinals. Semi semifinals rather. It would be either Ohio State or Oregon. I think they beat either of those teams. I would rather see the Oregon matchup cuz I think it would be really fun to see Mariota and Marshall play against each other. That would be gosh, that would be so fun but I, I think, think Auburn wins that one easily. I think Auburn wins either of those two matchups. I think the, the, luck, the, the luck does not run out there. And you saw Auburn had the ability to really hang with the big boys. They were up 21 to nothing, I believe, on Florida State in the national title game before things just fell apart. Auburn showed they could they could play well against the best teams in the country. I don't think seventh-ranked Ohio State would be any different.
1: Well, if your scenario holds true and Auburn advances to the semis, I see them beating Michigan State, Baylor, or Oklahoma relatively easily out of that season. Then they're back in the college football playoff national championship against what would be more than likely Florida State or Alabama, I would say, looking at this bracket. And I would not be shocked if we saw Auburn, Alabama again in that 2013. If there was a 12 team playoff in 2013, I think you get Auburn, Alabama again in the national championship.
2: Who takes that game?
1: Oh man. <laughs> that's round two.
2: Oh man, that's tough. You get Auburn at home with that with that environment. Auburn's coming out with a win but on a neutral site like that I don't know I don't know in 2013 man there was there was a little bit of luck involved in that one we've we've mapped
1: out a lot of these I think we went back all the way to 2000 to see which ones Auburn would make as did most people that were writing about this and we made all the graphics and we're going to just post them out at random intervals throughout the summer get people's thoughts on it but like this was by far the most intriguing college football playoff that I've seen up to this point that Auburn would have been in. And other than 2010, this is the one I think Auburn wins. 2004 would have been a blast, though.
0: If Auburn can get through that first round against Oregon or or Ohio State, I think they can certainly go to the title game. I agree with you. That second round, kind of a cakewalk compared to the first round. But I'm with you, Noah. I don't know if Auburn can get past Ohio State or Oregon. I think they would
1: have got past Oregon, right? Come on.
0: Whoa, Whoa, Marcus Mariota is a legitimate threat over there, but – I don't know. I think Auburn, I think Auburn squeaks one out in the first round. They have a little bit of luck left. They don't need luck for the second round. And then who knows who they would be playing in the title game, but that would be a good game no matter what.
1: On the other side of this break, when we come back, we're going to talk about what is it going to take for Auburn to be a regular in the college football playoff moving forward. If this 12 team format does end up getting passed, which I think all of us believe it will be. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening on the line. Back on the line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've got Christian Clemente from with us just for another seven minutes before we wrap up our number one here. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, I'm Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Movies and sports on for your Friday night. A trio of minions look for a new evil genius to serve. Minions is on NBC at 7. Mark Wahlberg stars in Shooter on AMC at 7. A look at the story of the rock band Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody is on FX at 6. In live sports, the Philadelphia 76ers even the series against Atlanta in Game 2. The Hawks square off with the 76ers in the ATL this time as the series switches home court with Game 3 on ESPN at 6.30. The Phoenix Suns are hot winning the first two games of the series against the Nuggets by a combined 42 points game three is on ESPN at nine if you're really missing football there is spring league football on FS1 at six with the linemen versus the alphas the NCAA baseball tournament has reached super regionals with two games on ESPNU tonight at five NC State squares off with Arkansas and at eight two of the most explosive offenses in baseball battle it out in Tucson with old Miss at Arizona I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lansdall with you, joined by Christian Clemente of albertsports.com. Tease this going into this segment. We've been talking about the college football playoff, new 12-team format. I think we all agree this is going to end up happening. There just seems like there's too much support for this to not happen. All of it seems to be a formality over the next couple of years. But we still could be waiting until 2025 when we see this happen. But looking ahead, you know, five years from now in the Brian Harson tenure, What's it going to take for Auburn to be a regular under a 12-team college football playoff format?
0: Yep, so they got to follow the Brian Harson plan. The fans got to be a little bit patient. It's going to take some time. If it does go through in 2023 or whatever, they probably won't be in the playoff that year. But give it a little bit of time. He's got a good plan. they got to build up the trenches. they got to build up the offensive line. they got to recruit that heavily and do a good job recruiting that. they got to build up the D-line. Follow Brian Harson and Mike Bobo's new plan of using a bit more of a pro style offense, and I think Auburn just needs to get back up ahead of like a say LSU or a Texas A and M in the SEC West to really be competing with Alabama for that spot, and they'll be good because it is twelve teams. Auburn has a bit more of a chance to be able to sneak in even if they don't win the SEC title. So,
1: and you got four or five years to build up to that point, right? Because yep. I would I would imagine this doesn't go into effect until twenty twenty five for a point that Jacob made on yesterday's show say that there could be a bit of a bidding war about contract mm-hmm. for for television
0: yeah no i could definitely see that it could be a little while but i think that's good for auburn i think just give them a little bit of time brian Harrison has a really good plan in place be patient it'll take some time
1: and i don't think they're that far away from being a, a top 12 team at least you know if you yeah you take a seven-year window i think auburn's a top 12 team you know they they you look under gus Mazan, they were in the top 10 every year whether or not they finished in the top 10 well, that's another story, but it, they don't seem like they're that far from being a perennial top-12 team.
0: No, I really don't think they're far at all. I think they just have a couple things that they have to fix, and those things take time. They need to bring in some offensive tackles, and look, they're not going to be SEC-caliber offensive tackles necessarily their first year, so that takes a little bit of time. Brian Harson needs a little bit of time to implement his system and get some of his guys in that he wants, and it'll just take a little bit of time, but I think Auburn can certainly get into that contention for a top-12 spot yeah
2: I think so too and something else I'd say about the the 12-team playoff is it, it, the, another positive thing about it is I think it's going to help develop continuity with some of these powerful schools that are not on the level of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State it's going to let teams like Florida and Auburn have continuity with their coaches because if they get to the playoffs I think a lot of fans in the and the athletic department going to be satisfied like it's it's not just like a, oh well you made a bowl game you didn't quite get there it'll, it'll allow some of these teams to to get into the playoff and even even if they lose in the opening round, it's like, OK, well, we still made it. And so I think that's going to going to leave a lot of fans more comfortable than they have been in the past. And if Brian Harson can get this thing going three or four years down the line, Auburn, I can see Auburn cons- consistently in the playoff every single year. It's just whether or not they're one of those top tier teams that can really take it all the way.
0: I think that's a great point. And especially with the news coming out that some of those first round matchups would be like home games, potentially. I think that's a great point some of these schools would be very happy to host the college football playoff game and Auburn could be one of those schools so I think that's a great point I didn't really think about that too much but fans could certainly be more excited about saying hey we made the college football playoff compared to hey we made the Outback Bowl
2: do we think we see more parity? I don't know because there are fl- there are sides there are sides to it it's like well it's more opportunities it's more, because there are more games. So I'm going to say yes. It's more opportunity, but after one year of the playoff, if we just see it go chalk, it's it's. I feel like there's a lot less. There's a lot it's a lot less likely for there to be an upset in college football than there is to be in another sport like college basketball mm-hmm. or college baseball. I think we're going to see it, it go chalk most of the time. Uh, it, one, of, one of these blue blood teams is going to come out on top, I think, every single year. It's not, it's not going to be a group of five team. I don't think we'll ever see a group of five national champion. In a, in a playoff system like this, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't think it ever will. I think that's will. a
1: great point. I, I, that, that is mighty difficult for a group of five team to have to – honestly, they'll have to beat three. Yeah. They will have to beat at least three power five teams more than likely just to, that, that's, that, that's something that was not considered. Everybody that wanted to see more group of five representation, well, yes, you're getting more group of five representation, but you
2: might be further distancing them from being able to win a national championship. Have fun getting past a team like Auburn. Have fun getting, getting past a team that has gotten to that point, gotten a second chance, and will want that just as badly as the group of five team does. And you know what? We've talked about this a lot. Talent wins out. Talent wins out. At some point, talent will win out. And I can see the playoff being fun for the first couple of years, but eventually everybody's going to get tired of the system like they have with the BCS and like they have with this current system. And we're always going to be searching for that next big thing. And I, I it's going to it's it's <laughs> be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And there will be at some point, there will be a first or second round upset, but there's never going to be a team that you would think, either before the season or even as the playoff starts, that's like, oh, well, they could never get there. That, you, were, you will never see that. You'll never see a 12 seed in the national title game.
0: I think it's good for the group of five that they can, you know, some of these schools can make a little bit more money by making the playoff and yeah. whatnot. I think the furthest a group of five team is going to make it is maybe the title game. Like, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're ever going to be able to win it all. But with that said, here's a little hot take, and I was discussing with th- this with another Auburn beat reporter yesterday. Gus Malzahn is going to make the college football playoff before Brian Harson does just because of the way the system works out.
1: Ooh. And I, would, I and I would not be surprised if it's this football season. I think that's Well, a, not why am I, if, the, if the if there was a 12 team college football playoff. Oh, if there was, oh, if there this was one this season yeah, I think
0: UCF in. is in it.
2: Yeah, yeah. But he's that's spicy but that's like realistic
1: at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> now, if there is a group of 5 team to make it this year, and we'll talk about this later because this is actually up on our on our rundown today. I do think UCF might be the most attractive option for this year, even more so than Cincinnati.
0: UCF for Cincy, but I would roll with UCF. Just Gus in his first season—you yeah. never know what's going to happen there.
1: That's it for hour number one of on the line. We'll be back with hour number two coming up.